With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code PLANET at FanDuel.com for a bonus match of up to $200. We're also brought to you by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code PLANET for $20 off your first purchase. Of course, everyone's going to say, well, you want the soccer player to win Sportsman of the Year. And yet, I think you can make a great case for Carly Lloyd to win. I personally believe she should win the Sports Illustrated Sportswoman of the Year Award. A loss to Mexico in overtime, it's frustrating, but it's acceptable. The Gold Cup performance was unacceptable. Uh, They played like crap. This is a a chance now to start to reestablish what this team is about in its region. Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall and SI.com's Brian Strauss. Grant, we've got you in studio. Brian, you are on the road uh, in St. Louis, the U.S. men's national team. How is it uh, by the arch? Um, the arch is, uh, everything around the arch is under construction, um, so it wasn't, the, uh, it wasn't the vista I was hoping for. Uh, there are some banners on on the light poles and in some storefronts with the welcoming uh, U.S. soccer, you know, with with the U.S. soccer logo and stuff like that. So so that's kind of cool. And um, Bush Stadium, I'd never been to St. Louis. Bush Stadium is right downtown, and it's got some some restaurants and some public space around it. So I would imagine uh, tomorrow evening and afternoon, it, that's going to be a really cool scene. Um, it's going to be full of people. Um, they're expecting a good crowd. And and um, and I tried St. Louis pizza last night for the first time. And I'll never forget it. <laughs> In a good way or a bad way? Um, kind of both. <laughs> good. It's, it's 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 nuanced. That's all I can say. Nuanced. I like it. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we will get back to more about St. Louis and the U.S. men's national team uh, a little bit later on. Obviously, the U.S. men begin World Cup qualifying against St. Vincent and the Grenadines at Bush Stadium. Uh, first, I want to start uh, with Sportsman of the Year here at SI. We uh, we have launched our our list of final candidates for Sportsman of the Year, Sportsperson of the Year, uh, if you will, um, among them are Carly Lloyd and Lionel Messi. So two soccer candidates among the final 12 nominees, which uh, which is always good to see. Um, Messi and Carly Lloyd, I, I would think, are you know the two odds-on favorites to win World Player of the Year uh, at, at the FIFA Ballon d'Or Gala in January. Grant, uh, I know you've, you've written about this for Carly Lloyd uh, in the magazine, and, and also we've got a package online that you can check out. Uh, so I guess let's let's talk about those two, and then let's throw out some some other nominees as as soccer person of the year. Get a get a little more niche. Well, I'm a soccer guy, right? So, of course, everyone's going to say, "Well, you want the soccer player to win Sportsman of the Year, Sportswoman of the Year, Sportsperson of the Year." Uh, and yet, I think you can make a great case for Carly Lloyd to win. I personally believe she should win the Sports Illustrated. 
Sportswoman of the Year award, when you look at what she did, when you look at the competition, um, she performed at a ridiculously high level, an unprecedented level in the most important games in the world. Uh, she had a hat trick in the World Cup final in 16 minutes. She scored one of those goals from midfield. Her team won the World Cup final. Uh, she also was just better as the games went on. Uh, she had six goals in the four knockout round games of the World Cup uh, and was just a dominant player. Uh, and for that alone, I think that, that does it. You know, she's also a good citizen. You know, you haven't seen any, you know, issues about Carly Lloyd in the, in the newspapers or anything. Um, and I think her, her story, which I got into with her in the article I wrote for Sports, uh, Sports Illustrated magazine after they won the World Cup, you know, she nearly quit the sport in the early 2000s and had this personal coach, James Gallinus, who she still works with, who went to crazy lengths that she still goes to. You know, they train on holidays twice a day because they know that nobody else is. The competition isn't doing that. And it's just a great story. Uh, so uh, she's definitely going to win World Player of the Year. I think she should be the Sports Illustrated Sportswoman of the Year. And President Obama nominated her for president uh, when when they were at the White House. <laughs> <Me> too. <laughs> so uh, so it could be, could be quite the year. Um, yeah, I agree. And and look, in 1999, uh, the the entire U.S. Women's National Team was was sports people of the year. I guess mm -hmm. you can if you want to put it that way. Um, so it's not unprecedented. Um, on the other side of of the token is Lionel Messi, who can make the argument every year he should be a candidate. I mean, he led Barcelona to the treble. Um, they won La Liga. They won Copa del Rey. Won Champions League. His fourth Champions League title. Uh, if he had won Copa America with Argentina, that would have strengthened his case considerably. Uh, and even with the time that he's missed with injury, you would think that he's going to win another uh, Ballon d'Or in January and lead us all to see another Cristiano Ronaldo face, which would be fantastic for the internet memes. Um, and and look, if if you want to take away from Messi at all, like, okay, he's, he's got some tax evasion issues right now. Uh, that uh, that might take away from his overall case. And when you look at Sportsman of the Year, you, you kind of, you know, it's it's open to interpretation. Do you look at just the, an athlete for the transcendence that they they show on the field, or do you look in, into the whole entire picture, the bigger story, the the off-field contributions that they give in, in addition to it? Um, Brian, I know that, that you know, in, in brainstorming for this, you've, you've got a couple of nominees that, uh, that aren't Carly Lord or, or Lionel Messi. Yeah, I, I figured I, I figured that Carly Lloyd and, and Lionel Messi being the official nominees uh, would, would, you know, uh, be, be the people under discussion. And I and I and I fully recognize that if I were invited to these meetings and mentioned any of these people, I would be told to leave immediately. Um, but since we're sort of honing down into soccer, uh, the, the first guy I thought of was Kai Kamara, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, someone who doesn't have perhaps the, the same international impact as Carly Lloyd or Messi did. But what a guy. I mean, you know, he signed with Columbus. He wasn't eligible to play last year, so he had to just sort of cool his heels. Uh, but, he, but he returned from England, and, and he, he, the way he dives into everything, the way he uh, connects with fans, connects with charities, uh, throws himself into, connects with the press, uh, throws himself into everything uh, with the best of intentions is so impressive. You know, he's got 24 goals and eight assists this year for the crew. Um, obviously, the huge goal against Montreal to send him to the conference finals. He's doing an enormous amount of charity work in Columbus. And then, of course, 
uh, the stuff he's doing in Sierra Leone, building schools and, 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 and which earned him the MLS humanitarian of the year award. Uh, so he, here's a good guy who covers all the bases. Um, and I think, you know, so if we, if we were narrowing it sportsman of the year to just soccer, uh, uh, he would come up. Another guy that I thought of is Claudio Bravo. I'm, I, I typically don't, uh, want to, um, say anything nice about goalkeepers. Uh, but here's a guy who, uh, moved to Barcelona uh, led them to La Liga title, uh, was named La Liga goalkeeper of the year, then goes to Copa America and leads his country to its first international senior international trophy, was named the Copa America top, Copa America top goalie, made that save in the shootout uh, to give Chile the title over Argentina. He, I don't know anything about him personally. He could be a scoundrel. So <laughs> that, that's the asterisk there. Um, and then the other, the other thing I thought of was Iceland, just for being Iceland. I mean, here's a country of a little over 300,000 people. Um, and, and they, they finished above Holland and Turkey. They were probably in the toughest group in Euro qualifying and they finished above Holland and Turkey to qualify for their first major tournament. Um, and it's just awesome. It's an awesome story. Uh, Livy Bird, uh, our colleague wrote that great story, uh, in, in September, uh, about sort of how they revamped their national team program. So every, everyone Google that. Um, and I actually visited Iceland and went to a European championship qualifier. I think it was in 1999. And their stadium is this beautiful little stadium, and you can see the mountains in the background, and they serve pizza and hot cocoa, and that's like all you can buy, but what else would you want? Um, and the game was sold out, and I was just going to try to show up and buy a ticket, and I met a guy outside the stadium who said his daughter wasn't feeling well and so couldn't come to the stadium, and he sold me the ticket for face value. I mean, he could have he gotten, I'd have given him a kidney for it, and he, he sold it to me for face value, and I sat with him and his friends and watched the game, and had Coco and they, they lost to Ukraine. Um, and it was great. And so I've always sort of rooted for them since then. So those are my, uh, those are my three nominations. I nominate the guy who sold you the ticket as a as sportsman. That's great. That's give you a retroactive to 1999. Let's, you know, yeah, I, I, I'd be cool. With <laughs> Going that. up against the 99ers. I don't know, but that's, uh, that's awesome. That's a really cool experience. And I like that idea a lot. Iceland. It's, it's such a, a great story. Um, do you wonder if Aaron Johansson's re- reconsidering that commitment? Um, uh, really great story in, in Euro qualifying. And like you said, doing it out of the tough group and not going through the playoff round. I mean, they were like the first team to, to get in. And that's, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty special. Grant, was there, was there anybody else uh, off the top of your head that? One name I'd love to throw out there is Loretta Lynch, the yeah. U.S. Attorney General. Uh, you know, off the field, the biggest story in soccer this year by far is the FIFA scandal. And... Uh, the U.S. indictment, uh, all of the arrests that were made on May 27th, the ongoing investigation, and you get the sense that maybe finally FIFA is starting to be cleaned up. And one of the few, maybe the only uh, groups that those FIFA guys were afraid of, are afraid of, is the U.S. government and Loretta Lynch. And uh, you know she was in on this investigation from before she was attorney general, from when she was out in Brooklyn. That's where the, the office that did this investigation. And then she has continued that uh, as attorney general. And uh, it's uh, it, it made people around the world, maybe for the first time, appreciate the U.S.'s long arm of the law getting involved in other countries. And I don't know how many times you'll ever say that or see that, but uh, a lot of Loretta Lynch fans out there among the world soccer fans right now. And I think the U.S. has a lot to be proud of uh, as far as what has already been done uh, in this investigation to 
you know, try and make FIFA a credible organization. I don't remember if it was at the Gold Cup or at the Friendlies before the Gold Cup, but there were fans in the stadium that had the the huge, large cardboard head cutouts. Yeah, yeah, of Loretta Lynch at a soccer game. Uh, that was awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, when you talk about impact on the world of soccer, I, I would say that that's a pretty significant impact. Uh, what what she's been able to do. Um, a couple of other names that that come to mind. They're probably not gonna be uh, at the forefront of, of anybody's mind. Uh, when was the last time you thought about Damian Duff? Probably not all that recently. Um, but a veteran player, uh, Premier League, now now he's playing in Ireland, uh, Shamrock Rovers. When he signed there, he donated his entire wages to charity, to children's charity, uh, which, you you know, you've seen some players donate money to charity from their salary portion of it. This was all of it. And this was, I believe, an 18-month contract that was uh, somewhere around 200000 US dollars. You know, not the greatest amount, but for a player of of you know his caliber to do something like that very very cool um and then there's there's Laton of course um look he's he's he is what he is on on the field and and off the field but part of that off the field uh is this campaign he has against world hunger um and and as someone with as big of a following as he does to call that much of attention to it there's a billboard in Times Square uh I remember not too long ago um and he had that whole tattoo campaign thing going on for him uh, so that's something as as well. So you know, it's it's fun to recognize all obviously all of the the on field accomplishments of some of the best players in the world, but also take time and and look at at what some of these players and and individuals have done off the field, and that ultimately I think is what sportsman is all about. Your sports person is all about. I would like to see us change the name to Sports Person of the Year. I think that would be good. Yeah, we can uh, we can we can we can pause right now, head upstairs, and <laughs> and, and and make an ask. Or, or sports animal of the year. Sports isn't, horse. Isn't the horse nominated. Sports horse. American pharaoh. Good point. Yeah. Get get on board. Literally. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> uh, we will put a wrap on that <laughs> right now. And when we come back, we will talk U.S. men's national team World Cup qualifying. The NFL regular season is more than halfway done now, and in the old days, your chance to play fantasy football was long gone. Now, not only can you join thousands of leagues on FanDuel, they cost as little as $1 to enter and you can cash out in the very same night that you win. Now, when you use our code PLANET at FANDUEL.com, you can get a bonus match of up to $200. FANDUEL is the leader in one-week fantasy football, with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They will pay out over $75 million a week this football season. Over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FANDUEL, and now it's your turn. If you're watching the games anyway, try out FANDUEL turns your NFL Sunday into a whole new experience. So, go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use our code PLANET, and sign up now. And here's that special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code PLANET today, so don't get left out. FanDuel also offers daily fantasy basketball and hockey. Find out why daily fantasy sports have gotten so popular and do it on FanDuel.com with our code PLANET. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today. Okay, welcome back. We are going to shift gears to U.S. Men's National Team Talk. We are recording this on a Thursday, which means tomorrow they are taking on St. Vincent and the Grenadines to open up World Cup qualifying 2018, the road to Russia. Brian, you are down by Bush Stadium in St. Louis where this campaign gets underway. Um, 
I guess what uh, what are your initial thoughts? The team has just arrived after training in in Miami. Uh, just take us take us down there. Uh, I'm actually closer to the football stadium than the baseball stadium, but fortunately they are close to each other. Um, and obviously the you know having to play St. Vincent and the Grenadines, uh, it's a tall order for the U.S. on Friday night. <laughs> uh, I think half the population of the country could fit into Bush Stadium. Um, but that's what's cool about the World Cup. You know, I mean, that's I mean, I love the fact that 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 every every nation gets to enter. Every country has a chance. And St. Vincent got through two rounds of knockout uh, games to get to this point. Uh, so, so they belong here and they're going to get their shot. Um, you know, for the U.S., uh, you know, I don't think that this team can adjust its expectations. It's been a very, very rough year. Uh, they they have been caught and passed in CONCACAF, uh, not, not by only Mexico, uh, but one could make a case by Costa Rica, by Honduras, perhaps others. Uh, this is a, this is a, a team that was the king of the region and now is not now clearly is second best. Um, but they can't allow that to sort of change their expectations here. They have to go in and, 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 and dominate this game and win handily and re- restore some confidence and a bit of momentum, uh, before they go to Trinidad next week. Cause that's going to be a test. Uh, the U.S. has lost in Trinidad before, a couple times, I think. And, and so it's important here to establish a bit of chemistry, uh, to, to, to get an 11 on the field that are comfortable with each other, comfortable with a formation, comfortable with their assignments, uh, and, 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 and build some chemistry and some momentum heading into what's going to be a much tougher game next week. Uh, so we're looking at, obviously, uh, starting in goal. Uh, Brad Guzan and Tim Howard are both in camp. It'll be interesting to see uh, where Jurgen goes with that. Uh, we have uh, Michael Bradley, Kyle Beckerman, and Jermaine Jones uh, all in midfield. Uh, do all three play? Uh, does does Jurgen put one of them on the bench? Does North Darlington Nagby get a chance to maybe finally uh, add some playmaking flair to the U.S. midfield, which maybe would push Michael Bradley a bit back? Uh, and then up front, uh, Clint Dempsey not here, but we do have Bobby Wood, uh, Jordan Morris, uh, Giassi Zardis, um, some young guys. Uh, who are going to sort of try to stake their claim as the next generation of, of American strikers. So, you know, I, I'm intrigued by it. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think it's up to Jurgen now to prove he can coach this team. This is not about the big picture anymore. This is about taking the team he has now uh, and putting them in position to generate some momentum and qualifying. First off, I just want to say the nickname for St. Vincent is awesome. Vinci Heat is what they call themselves. Uh, I like it. Makes me think of Ezra Hend- Hendrickson, uh, the former St. Vincent Grenadines player, probably their greatest player of all time, who now coaches the Seattle Sounders uh, reserve team. Um, a few things going on here. The biggest one for me is, are we seeing the last of Jurgen Klinsmann this week? Uh, is there a chance that he could lose his job, uh, depending on the results? And there was what I uh, called an informed rumor uh, that was going around among, uh, that uh, was, I was hearing among uh, some connected soccer people, more than one, that Klinsman had been told six points or out this week. Um, however, I, I think it's important to add that when I asked people with direct knowledge of that, they said, no, they totally outright denied it. Uh, so, you know, I think that is a question. If the U.S. doesn't get six points, is Jurgen Klinsman in trouble? Uh, Sunil Gulati, the U.S. soccer president, is no longer coming out with these votes of confidence. He didn't do that after the Costa Rica loss last month, which was just a pretty grim evening at Red Bull Arena. Um, You know, it's certainly possible, like Brian said, that the U.S. won't win at Trinidad and Tobago. It's the toughest game of the six in the semifinal round. The U.S. has lost there before. 
Trinidad has tied Mexico twice this year, 4-4 and 3-3. And I do think there will be a question, if the U.S. needs a goal late at Trinidad and Tobago, and Clint Dempsey's not around, uh, is that potentially uh, worthy of some criticism for Jurgen Klinsmann? You know, if if the possibilities are Jordan Morris and Josie Altador and, and Bobby Wood, Clint Dempsey has scored nine goals in 10 U.S. games this year. That's a pretty good strike rate. Seven goals in the Gold Cup. He was he was horrible against Mexico. I think just about everyone would agree. But then the question is, does one bad game, albeit a very big bad game, cause you should that cause you to be dropped completely from the national team for World Cup qualifiers? Well, here's here's what Jurgen Klinsmann had to say uh, about leaving Clint Dempsey uh, off of this roster. Well, the thought process is, is simply to get our younger players into this uh, um, kind of a situation where they now got to step it up, you know. So we we want them to come out of their shell more and more and, and make a point, you know. We know Clint inside out, you know, and we know what he gives to the program and, and he's always there. But we also have to have a, a longer kind of a bigger picture towards Russia 2018. So we need the Bobby Woods, the Jordan Morris's, the Jazzy Zardes uh, out there to make an impression, to to fight their way through and, and, and prove it also in World Cup qualifying because we cannot start that process in two years from now. Uh, so that's why I talked to Clint and said, listen, I'll leave you out of that roster now. I want the younger ones to, to step up. Um, okay, so when I, when I hear Jurgen Klinsmann say that, um, that's... That's fair if that's his rationale, but then he brings Alan Gordon instead of Clint Dempsey. You got a problem with that? I I do not have a problem with Alan Gordon as a human being or as a soccer player. Uh, if you're looking at the hierarchy of U.S. men's national team forwards, I would not put Alan Gordon ahead of Clint Dempsey on on any list. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, Clint Dempsey's probably going to be U.S. soccer's male athlete of the year. Like, I mean, it's not like there are a ton of qualified candidates pretty low bar this year this, by the way. this year uh yeah i mean it's it's not like the, the list of successes is all that long but like you said nine goals in 10 games um goals tend to matter in in this vote uh you you could argue for some other players i i don't think fabian johnson did himself very many favors against mexico either he maybe would have been in the mix uh michael bradley is always in the mix just because who who he is but but dempsey has the stats and and dempsey was the reason they went as far as they did in the gold cup which was not far enough, but that said, uh, it's it's eye opening that he's not here. And now, the, you know, the Sounders aren't even in the MLS playoffs anymore. Clint Dempsey could be inactive until the January camp at the very least. If he's not in that camp until March, like that's insanity. Uh, and and you're talking about the most reliable attacking player that the U.S. has, for better or for worse. And like you said, Grant, if the U.S. is in Trinidad and Tobago and doesn't win that game, and it's because they can't score goals there's a direct correlation to the reason why. You know, I think also one thing to throw out here is keep an eye on Josie Altidore. He had a hat trick against Trinidad in a World Cup qualifier at one point and uh, was the U.S.'s go-to scorer in the hex uh, for the last World Cup. So uh, he really could use a breakout situation. Maybe that comes this week. Yeah. Uh, some other things to keep an eye on uh, during these qualifiers. Chance to cap time Matt Miazga. He's eligible for Poland. Uh Center back on the rise, had a great season with the New York Red Bulls. He he started for the U.S. U-20 national team in the World Cup, started for the U.S. U-23 national team in Olympic qualifying. Now here he is with the senior national team. Uh, 
look, the the prospects of of Ventura Alvarado and John Brooks could get better, but they haven't exactly panned out as I think Jurgen Klinsmann would have liked. Uh, so here, you know, you've got a, a 20-year-old Matt Miazga who could potentially step into that void now, and, and you're looking two years to a little more than two years down the line in, into Russia, and you've got a, a cornerstone center back prospect. And that's, this is the chance to, to lock him in. And you don't want to trap the player if he wants to play for Poland. Okay, fine, but this is your chance. Uh, Darlington Nagmi, another new name in the mix, uh, got his U.S. citizenship in September, and now here he is in his first U.S. camp in World Cup qualifying. Grant, I know you've got some some items on, on him. Well, neither of us was actually in Miami this week for the U.S.'s training sessions, but I did speak to someone who has been there the whole week, and that person said Darlington Nagby has been very, very good, very skillful in the U.S.'s multiple training sessions and uh, has a – will almost definitely see time on Friday, but also could be a real candidate to start. And that's that's interesting. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of fans would like to see that. I think there's been a clamoring for someone in the midfield who can be dynamic, who can add something to the attack. Uh, I, I don't think we've really seen much of that, at least definitely not on a consistent basis. Um, and the way he's been playing for Portland recently, if he can carry that form over into the international level, and I think St. Vincent and the Grenadines, no offense here, but that's a not so bad of a transition game uh, to, to get into the international level. Uh, so those are definitely two things uh, to keep an eye on. Um, now, the semifinal round of qualifying, uh, while not the hex, it doesn't have the best of, of CONCACAF's best, it's not always a cakewalk. It's, it's tricky. Uh, Grant, the, the U.S. hasn't always just coasted through to the hex. No, there have been two occasions uh, since 2000 where the U.S., went to the final game of the semifinal round with it still up in the air whether the U.S. was going to qualify or be eliminated. And so there's a reason for this. The semifinal round is only six games. And so there's a very small margin for error in a sport where uh, you can get a bad referee call or a bad bounce, and suddenly you end up with zero points in a game when you thought you might get three. Um, so I remember being in Barbados in 2000 when the U.S. was... Uh, in this, you know, going to the 60th, 63rd minute, I think, uh, and the U.S. was out of the World Cup uh, in that game. I uh, needed to win the game. Eventually, got four goals. Math is scoring in the 63rd, but uh, that's cutting it awfully close. And uh, and then in the last cycle, uh, the U.S. took it to the last game. They had to play against Guatemala and Kansas City. Gave up an early goal to Carlos Ruiz, who is still playing God and will play Carlos when we're Ruiz. 80 years old. Uh, and you know, and and you can cut it really close. The U.S. came back in that game and ended up winning it and and going on uh, to win the hex. Uh, and just like that team in 2002 that almost went out in Barbados, they went on to become World Cup quarterfinalists. So another reminder that how you do in qualifying does not necessarily reflect in how you do once you get to the World Cup. But one of these years, the U.S. may, may not qualify for a World Cup. And actually, I think it could happen during the semifinal round, not the final round. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I think... If the U.S. doesn't come out with a strong result against St. Vincent and the Grenadines, I know we enter a lot of these games that the U.S. plays, that, and we just say, you know, three points is all that matters. Just get three points. That's fine. If they only win this game one nothing, if they give up a goal, if they win 2-1, to one, I don't think that's necessarily good enough. And I think the standard has to rise. I think, yes, ultimately the three points are what matters, and if they win 2-1, to one, Jurgen Klinsmann will be singing the praises of his players for getting three points in a game they needed to have. But the standard here... 
like let's let's be honest it's saint vincent and the grenadines i think for nothing is a reasonable expectation i think it is but you look back at the last qualifying cycle against antigua and barbuda the u.s u.s only went three to one at home in tampa and then uh barely won down antigua thanks in large part to alan gordon uh serving the ball to eddie johnson for the late win so these aren't gimmies, I, I don't think. I mean, like, it would certainly do, I think, the U.S. a lot of good to win 7 nothing. Why not? Yeah, I, I think from a, a momentum standpoint, from a confidence standpoint, I think that needs to happen. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, too, but I think the home Antigua-Barbuda game in the last semifinal round was the Jose Torres at left-back experiment where anybody can play left-back for the U.S. Yes. It was also, I was there, it was also really, really rainy, if I recall, which, which gives uh, people from the Caribbean an advantage. What's the weather like in St. Louis? Um, uh, clear with an 80% chance of Provel cheese. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I, I do know. Seriously, but that's, that's <laughs> what I learned all about it last night. I do know it's going to be a lot colder than where they've been training in Miami. And they, cha- they trained in Miami because they wanted the players to train in the, the heat and humidity to get ready for Trinidad. But they were also like, wow, it's going to be a heck of a lot colder in St. Louis. Well, and they're also, you know, uh, I, I took a walk by Bush Stadium yesterday and you could see them sort of, you know, preparing the field and they laid saw down over the Cardinals infield and it looked sort of black. I mean, maybe it was a, a, a trick of the shadows or something. But, you know, so we, we have we have the field excuse built in now if something were to go wrong, if, if, if not the weather. Um, but no, I, I agree with you guys. This is this is a game again where after a really, really tough summer, I mean, you know, the loss to Mexico, a loss to Mexico in overtime at the Rose Bowl, it's frustrating, but it's acceptable. I mean, it happens. Mexico is is a peer. It's a good team. Um, The Gold Cup performance was unacceptable. Uh, Not only did they finish fourth in that tournament, but they were lousy on the way to finishing fourth. Uh, They they did not get screwed out of a game by the refs. They, they, They did not... Uh, fall victim to some sort of, you know, soccer god bounce. Uh, they played like crap, and then they finished fourth. Um, so this is a, a chance now to start to reestablish uh, what this team is about in its region. Stop paying attention to Germany and France and Spain and, you know, chasing the big countries. Fix your own backyard. And this is a chance to do that dominate this game, and then go down to Trinidad and get a result and start to reestablish a bit of mojo in CONCACAF. I think that's important. I would agree with that 100%, and I think that's a good way to to cap this discussion. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with some qualifying games and playoffs elsewhere around the world. Whether it's the U.S. men's national team, the MLS playoffs, or the NFL, sports fans have an amazing autumn ahead. The next time you go to the game or your favorite concerts, try the SeatGeek app. It's easy to find the best deals on tickets, and when you use our code PLANET, you get a check back for $20. Here's how it works. You download the SeatGeek app on your iPhone or Android. It's free and takes less than a minute to download. Then you search for your event, find a great deal, enter our code PLANET, and when you complete your purchase, SeatGeek will send a $20 check to your house. It's that easy. SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of sellers online and shows you the best deals automatically. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every ticket option available all on one page. They also have a feature called Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded map of the venue. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless, easy, and safe. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket you want to buy, 
you can make the purchase with two quick taps of your phone. There's no faster way to buy tickets. So, to redeem your promo code and get your $20 check, download the free SeatGeek app today, enter promo code PLANET in the app, and SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. For tickets to the MLS playoffs, the NFL, or the best concerts, use the SeatGeek app and our code PLANET to save $20. Dave Zirin has a new podcast on the Panoply Network called Edge of Sports. This week, their guest is John Legend, who speaks about the Missouri Tigers football team and his own history of activism and music. Search for Edge of Sports on iTunes and Stitcher or visit panoply.fm to find the show. Okay, welcome back. Uh, before we get into some some discussion about uh, the Euro qualifying playoffs and, and MLS playoffs, which are entering their, their conference finals, uh, Brian, St. Louis Pizza. What uh? What's the actual verdict? Because I actually couldn't really tell, uh, one way or another. What, what you what you thought? So for those for those who don't know, and that was me until uh about fifteen hours ago. Uh, St. Louis pizza is very very crispy thin crust pizza, a lot thinner than New York pizza. Um, and uh, and then they it's smothered with something they call Provel cheese, which is like a Franken cheese. It's like eight different kinds of cheese that somehow uh, combine in some sort of like nuclear reactor into this, this gooey, um, you know, cheese like slime. Um, and I, I ate it and, and a lot of it and it was delicious and, and crispy and gooey and the sauce is good, but it's like the more you eat of it, 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 it expands inside of you and sort of enters your bloodstream and your, and your soul and you have this Provel in you and, and it, it becomes, it gets to the point where it sort of knocks you out. So, uh, the verdict on St. Louis pizza is, is delicious until it starts to kind of, uh, take over and, and, um, and then you sort of regret the entire thing. So maybe, so, maybe in moderation next time. St. Louis pizza <laughs> in moderation, if possible, and I don't know if it is, but if possible, uh, would, would, would be good. So, yeah, I mean, certainly Certainly, I mean, I'm always going to be partial to New York pizza, but St. Louis pizza certainly is a million miles better than the abomination uh, that is Chicago pizza. Whoa, you are about to start a holy war. Uh, okay, I've I've actually had St. Louis pizza before, and it was uh, I was actually there for Chelsea Man City uh, friendly, like two days after the Premier League season ended. Gotta love the cash grab. Uh, Ed and Jekyll played that day. He played for Manchester City, uh, and he was an absolute rock star. If you don't know St. Louis, there's a huge Bosnian population down there. Uh, and he, immediately, my my first thought was, if St. Louis ever gets an MLS team, he's got to be the guy. He's got to be the first DP signing, just make a splash. He would be an absolute god. Uh, Ed and Jekyll, now we can transition to Euro qualifying, very naturally. Uh, we'll be playing for Bosnia-Herzegovina against the Republic of Ireland, one of four Euro qualifying playoff matchups. Hungary, Norway, Ukraine, Slovenia, Sweden, Denmark. The others, I think Bosnia-Ireland is is the best of the bunch if you're looking from a fan-neutral perspective. Grant, uh, what's what are your thoughts on these four? Well, I mean, I, I look at, at Bosnia and Ireland. It's unfortunate that one of them won't be at the Euro because there's 24 teams making the Euro. Yeah. Uh, Ireland has the best fans in the world. And so like, I saw that firsthand at Euro 2012. Uh, they were fantastic. Uh, they're friendly drunks as opposed to angry, threatening drunks. <laughs> uh, and I think that makes a big difference. Um, you know, Bosnia, they have a great story as far as what their country's gone through, got to their first World Cup uh, in Brazil, and, you know, have some terrific players. Uh, 
like a beast of itch like Jekko. And, and so my guess is they'll get through there. Yeah, which means the end of the road for Robbie Keane, potentially with, with Ireland, which would be uh, too bad from a U.S. MLS fan perspective. would always be nice to see him uh, on the world stage again. Uh, you look at the other matchups, Hungary-Norway again, Ukraine-Slovenia, Sweden-Denmark. To me, that's the other one that I want to watch. Uh, unabashed Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, aficionado. Uh, and to see him in France uh, playing, you know, where he plays for PSG now, playing uh, in the Euros would be great. We actually asked him about that uh, when he was here over the summer, uh, just talking with our SI Now's Maggie Gray. Want to switch gears? Sweden, looking good for Euro Cup 2016, mm. which would be played in France, France and where you currently play now. What would that mean to you? To represent my country in France would be fantastic. And if I could win the European in France, it would be even better. That's the way I would like to, that's my dream scenario, but if it would happen, I don't know, but I'm doing my best and win it with my country in France would be make it even more triggering. What would you want the French fans to take from that? That we are winning the European in France. <laughs> I think they would enjoy, I would, they like me, <laughs> they like, they like me. The, the media, so-and-so, but the people <laughs> like me, that's the most important yeah. because I play for them. Okay, uh, when, when the international break ends, MLS playoffs uh, will resume, and, and this is, I think, where we're going to call it a day. Uh, it's down to the conference finals. The New York Red Bulls against the Columbus Crew, Portland Timbers against FC Dallas. Uh, just real rapid fire. Grant, your first thought uh, on the Eastern Conference final matchup. A uh, terrific matchup, the top two seeds, uh, New York against Columbus. Uh, two teams playing good soccer right now, and so I really am looking forward to this and seeing uh, if maybe New York might be able to do against Columbus what Montreal did in the first leg, which was limit the influence of Kai Kamara and Ethan Finley in a way that they frankly didn't in the second leg, and Kamara scored the two goals. Um, you know, Right now, Greg Berhalter's getting a lot of buzz as a potential U.S. national team coach uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, the biggest one being he's having a very uh, good season, good stretch since he took over in Columbus. Um, and, you know, I picked them to get to the final, but this is kind of a toss-up. It is. I honestly think the international break could play a huge role in this. You got, I believe Columbus has five guys out. Uh, the Red Bulls, if there's one position where they can't afford another injury, it's at center back. If, God forbid, anything happens to Matt Miazga's hamstring, which has been known to happen at U.S. camp to some players, uh, that would really put a dent in the Red Bulls' plans. So I think we kind of got to put a pin in that and wait and see. You talk about another coach who, who should be in the U.S. mix down the line somewhere, Jesse Marsh. I mean, he's he's had a tremendous season, obviously has the experience under Bob Bradley. Uh, one, one great matchup all over the field there. And then Portland-Dallas, the, the Dallas-Seattle second leg was, was just bananas, one of just the next in the line of, of bananas events. In these MLS playoffs, and then Portland just took care of business against Vancouver. They were by far the better team, uh, and they're playing extraordinarily well. Ended the season well. That's a toss up too, yeah. A real toss up. But Dallas showed me a lot uh, by uh, by dispatching Seattle and by coming back when a lot of teams would have just thrown in the towel after Seattle scored the late goal. And um, you know, it's not like that was a huge surprise or shouldn't have been, just because Dallas was the best team in the West during the regular season. Um, but you look at the matchup against Portland, this is another really good one. You have two teams that are playing good soccer. Portland winning on the road a lot lately and took care of Vancouver. I thought they would 
Uh, and Darlington Nagby has been terrific. Another guy that if you're Caleb Porter, uh, hope he comes back healthy from national team camp because uh, uh, he's been so influential uh, uh, for Portland lately. And um, yeah, it, it's it's a tough pick. I'm going to lean toward Dallas, but I could see Portland winning this thing. I could see it too. And and after it happens, I could see Caleb Porter asking Oscar Perea if he would like to take a gander at the scoreboard again. Nah. Uh, if you remember what uh, what happened after their match. Uh, in April, they split the season series. Both of those games, I believe, one was four one, one was three one. So, you know, ancient history. Now, I mean, the way that they're both playing and, and current form matters. Uh, well, when we come back next week, we will obviously be taking a closer look at at those matchups. We'll have U.S. World Cup qualifiers to wrap up, and uh, we will have the final four teams in Euro uh, all set to go. So, plenty to look forward to next week. I want to thank Brian Strauss for joining us for St. Louis, Alex Abnos, our producer for Grant Wall. I am Ivy Creditor. We'll talk to you next week on the Planet Football Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.